Hey, thanks for listening to Hit Subscribe, a podcast by Recharge. I'm your host, Scott Micklejohn, and in this episode, we're talking to Ben Knox, SVP of Digital at Super Coffee, a better-for-you beverage brand. Ben's been in the e-commerce game for years, working for brands like Red Bull and Soylent before landing at Super Coffee. Along the way, he founded his own brand, Keto Snacks, which gave him a first-hand perspective on bootstrapping and facing adversity head-on. Super Coffee is founded on resilience, passion, and hard work. From their origins in a college dorm room to their rejection in 2018 on Shark Tank, today those values have paid off. The brand is now valued at over $400 million and won 2021's Brand of the Year Award from BevNet. Ben takes us behind the scenes on the many ways that Super Coffee prioritizes subscriptions, from improving the user experience on the website to defaulting to subscriptions on the product page and utilizing Recharge SMS so customers can seamlessly manage their orders with a quick text message. There's a lot to get to, so let's get started. Ben, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Scott. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about Super Coffee? Absolutely. Um, so my name is Ben. I am the SVP of digital at Super Coffee. Um, Super Coffee, for those of you uh, listening to this podcast who don't know, uh, is a better for you beverage brand founded in 2015 uh, by three brothers, student athletes seeking a better coffee product that both tasted delicious, but didn't have all the sugar and nasty ingredients that, you know, Starbucks and Dunkin' and energy drinks of the world had at the time. And so they created the world's first super coffee and super coffee is a delicious zero sugar latte that tastes just as good as a frappuccino, um, but does a lot more for you in terms of, you know, health benefits and, and how it makes you feel after the fact. Um, so that's super coffee. Uh, my role at super coffee, uh, oversees, uh, the range of content marketing, influencer marketing, uh, e-commerce channels customer experience and all acquisition, retention, and tech that supports uh, those for the business. I want to get more into, it's the DeSico brothers, right? The founders. I want to just get more yeah. into their story because I think that's like a really cool origin story. Um, but let's focus on you for a sec. Ben, could you tell us like how you got into the e-commerce game? Absolutely. Uh, so I found my way into the beverage industry, consumer packaged goods, almost by accident. Um, I actually studied finance uh, in undergrad in Indiana and thought for sure that I would be going into the finance industry. I'd maybe be a banker. Best case, I'd move to Chicago. Um, and lo and behold, I found this really interesting and unique opportunity to join Red Bull uh, in Santa Monica, California at their uh, U.S. headquarters. And I actually joined uh, in the brand marketing team. And so doing a leadership development program at Red Bull focused on consumer marketing. So sampling, collegiate programs. Uh, was really excited to learn more about that in the business and leverage that into uh, an opportunity to join the strategy team. Uh, so really helping from a central planning perspective uh, and a company development perspective. Went from that into uh, a specialty focus in distribution of all things. So distribution route to market, off-premise distributors, um, DSD distribution, uh, really, you know, uh, riveting stuff. And at the time I was kind of seeking, seeking a role within the company or uh, a next focus for my career that was more aligned to my personal interests. And I was very interested in tech in the time I was following e-commerce closely. Uh, so I really developed a love for, for branding and consumer products and was really intrigued by what was happening in the world of e-commerce. And at the time, Red Bull was really interested in understanding how to approach e-commerce. 
And specifically for Red Bull at the time, that really meant, uh, what do we do about Amazon? How do we mm-hmm. uh, position ourselves to succeed on Amazon? And so I raised my hand. I said, I'll do you know a short project here and sort of help set some strategy and make recommendation for how to move forward, uh, both domestically as well as uh, to inform kind of international strategy for Red Bull in Western Europe. And part of that recommendation- Just a short project. Yeah, just that like expansion there. It was, yeah. <laughs> Just actually just a three month project, uh, brought some consultants in and, uh, you know, got, got as quickly to recommendation as we could. And uh, part of that, I, you know, it wouldn't be right if I didn't recommend they uh, sort of establish a full time headcount uh, to focus on the e channel. And mm-hmm. uh, as a result, I think I'd be excellent for that position. <laughs> and uh, so that's. That's really what started my career in e-com. It was really uh, built around the cornerstone of Amazon in the beginning of my career, um, but had a, a deep desire to go further in e-com. Red Bull wasn't uh, interested or, or not positioned to develop a, a D2C business at the time and still is not. Um, so it felt the need to, to leave the company in order to get some D2C experience and that kind of propelled the next steps in my career. What was like that? not chasing, but what was the thing that wasn't fulfilling that you like saw in D2C that you were like, I want to do it there. Like, I want to go hustle over there. Yeah. Just loved everything, uh, about social media, about, Mm -hmm. uh, tech programming, um, sort of the internet, digital technology, really everything around that. Uh, and it was such a far cry from everything that I had been doing at Red Bull, which was really related to, you know, people on the ground sampling product to individual consumers and merchandising shelves at, you know, 7-Eleven and, and Kroger and things like that. Um, so it was really within, within the company and the brand that I felt very strongly about. Um, I felt at home there at Red Bull. And so I said, what's a way that I can find, find a closer match to my interests that could be supported within this company. So without having to leave the company at the time, um, e-commerce uh, was yeah definitely the, the strongest match for, for what to do next. Totally. And then from there, you jumped to another like, pretty, pretty well-known, reputable brand. Uh, I know there's some other stops along the way, but you ended up at Soylent as well, right? Yeah, Soylent was, uh, yeah, it was a really exciting time to join <laughs> uh, the Soylent team. Soylent was moving from being, uh, yeah, just this amazing homegrown, uh, sort of founder PR fueled uh, D2C darling and, and looking to move into Amazon, move into traditional retail. Uh, so I joined the company first and foremost to really help them round out their Amazon strategy. And then on the other, on the understanding that once we were kind of set up and moving in the right direction there, that I'd be able to really start leaning into to more of the D2C uh, product ownership of, of Soylent.com and uh, some of the other uh, sort of acquisition um, efforts of the business at the time. What was like one of your biggest takeaways that you can remember from like helping them grow and scale there? Anything that stands out? It was really interesting. Uh, When I joined the company, uh, we had sort of a full team of of engineers and designers in-house. And uh, the website was a custom web app um, developed um, without any real sort of modern e-commerce technology, I would say. Um, and what we ended up learning uh, through that experience was as Shopify, as the app ecosystem, as Recharge and others were really taking off and lowering barriers to entry and allowing others 
to move faster in the market. Um, trying to build every little detail and all the features ourselves uh, was kind of an impediment to, to keeping mm-hmm. up uh, with the Joneses there. And so actually we self-reflected and identified an opportunity to, to re-platform onto Shopify Plus and move from uh, a, a technology uh, and software provider, Chargebee, uh, to recharge mm-hmm. at the time. So uh, so we made, made those migrations and developed uh, what largely is the site that you see today with a partner in Culver City. So cool. Yeah. And I did want to touch on, because I think it's very interesting, um, like you're an entrepreneur yourself. You started your own brand. I'd love to just talk a little briefly about Keto Snacks. That's right. Yeah. So uh, a colleague of mine at Soylent, um, his name is Brandon. Uh, we were working very, very closely uh, on the Soylent brand. He was in finance. I was in marketing. So we constantly battling over, I wanted to spend more. He, he wanted me to spend less. Um, but it was, yeah, we, we built a great friendship, a great working relationship. And I had become uh, really interested in the keto diet and had been a practitioner uh, following the keto diet for about a year uh, and finally got Brandon to, to start trying it with me. Uh, and he did. And, and, you know, many weeks later, he was feeling all the benefits. We were kind of nerding out on it every day in the lunchroom. I love the many uh, weeks later, because we all know that how the keto goes. It's the many it takes, weeks that, that it takes it a little time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For <laughs> first timers, it takes a little time. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it's like this famed, um, famed story of, you know, your boss pulls you into a meeting room at 5 p.m. and uh, draws up something on the whiteboard and asks for it at, you know, 8 a.m. in the morning the next day and says, oh, you know, by the way, I got to go run to a tennis lesson and, uh, you know, good luck kind of thing. I'm dramatizing it, but uh, it's kind of one of those situations. And we went to the, uh, the break room, grabbed LaCroix, went back to the meeting room, cracked it. And instead of getting started on the project, um, we started talking about life and, and what we wanted to do with our lives. And, and uh, you know, boy, you know, it would be a shame if, you know, we didn't, you know, attempt to become entrepreneurs ourselves. Mm. And so we actually made a handshake deal that night um, to meet up on the weekend and uh, start exploring what it might look like to bring a keto product to the market. Um, sort of built on our passions for keto, uh, developing some passions around entrepreneurship uh, and kind of furthering our friendship. And we met that Saturday and really, you know, just got so uh, excited by it we were formulating products that next week. And I think like three weeks later, we had uh, given, you know, a healthy, uh, but, but notice we gave notice to Soylent and we're going to be deciding to move into, you know, bootstrap startup land. Love it. Well, that's so yeah. cool. I love yeah. that. Um, and then like many, many entrepreneurs, many people, and then March, 2020 rolled around basically. And I presume this is all happening before the old pandemic reared its ugly head. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So we, uh, as I mentioned, we bootstrapped keto farms. We made a conscious decision uh, to, to do it, you know, on our life savings and not rely on any venture capital uh, or have really any, you know, true outside influences, uh, you know, that, that might influence um, the direction of the business or our intent for the business. Um, in the end, reflecting, that probably wasn't the right decision. Uh, it's one of the biggest learnings we've had uh, to this day, because especially around something uh, like keto, uh, very trend-driven, uh, moving very, very fast. Uh, because we were bootstrapped, we didn't have enough capital. 
uh, we weren't able to move as fast as we needed to uh, to really you know gain that market share early on. Um, so while we developed incredible products, we weren't we weren't the biggest. We didn't have the biggest budgets. Uh, we weren't able to spend like the others were in acquiring customers. And but all of that being said, we developed incredible products, had an amazing customer base, and we were really starting to reach what we would call kind of uh, our escape velocity, uh, if you will. Or really for us, what that meant was we were making enough money and had enough revenue that we could start paying ourselves a salary. Uh, sure, yeah. And that was quite literally in uh, February of whatever the year was that the, that the pandemic started yeah. of 2020. And February was, you know, 100% over January and January was 50% over December. So we were, you know, really on a good trend. And, uh, and then of course, you know, the world, uh, turned upside down and yeah. we pretty, we pretty quickly learned through that experience that the products that we were creating and the problems that we were solving, um, weren't quite a match for the consumer mindset at the time. So people were reverting to, uh, nostalgic foods, comfort mm-hmm. foods. They were definitely going off of their diets, at least for, you know, a period of time. Uh, so it made it difficult on the business and, uh, essentially, forced us to experiment with other ways uh, to earn an income. And at the time I started doing a little bit of consulting for super coffee uh, and things snowballed a little bit there. And that takes us kind of to the, the next step in my journey. Been crushing this segue. Great segue to super coffee. Uh, we teased it off the top. I'd love to hear more about um, one of the DeSico brothers sitting in his uh, dorm room and thinking, I should start a, my own little beverage company here. Yeah. So it's actually the youngest brother. They, they go by youngest, middle and oldest brother, <laughs> sure. um, which is amazing. And they sign their emails like that still to this day. Uh, Jordan DeSico is the youngest brother and the true original founder of Super Coffee. Um, he was a D1 basketball player um, and literally started making a healthier version of kind of a protein MCT oil latte um, in his dorm room, in his blender, and would drink it before practice, you know, take it, started making some for his teammates, uh, and everyone was giving him some really positive feedback. So, you know, he was inspired to go further. I think he entered like an Ernst & Young case competition or something like that through his, his university, uh, was awarded, the you know, the winner of the grand prize, got a little check uh, to take a picture with and, and show friends and family. Um, but you know, suffice it to say, he was kind of on a mission at that point, uh, really inspired by, you know, others uh, in the industry that have come before them and disrupting major categories with healthier, better for you beverages and products. And so he was so passionate that he dropped out of college and he was able to convince his two older brothers uh, to join him uh, in the pursuit of, of building kind of, you know, uh, the world's better for you coffee brand uh, competing against uh, Starbucks and Dunkin. And that was in, I believe, 2015. And, you know, fast forward to today, Super Coffee is in over 40,000 stores nationwide. We're talking 7-Eleven, Whole Foods, Costco, CVS, Kroger, Walmart, uh, and and all the like. Um, We have about 150 employees uh, spread across the country. Um, with some hubs in, in Austin, Texas and, and New York and the rest remote. Uh, 
uh, and the company's on a tear, just doing really great stuff, making amazing products, exciting consumers. Uh, and, you know, notably we won uh, number one brand of the year by BevNet last year, which is a major uh, sort of beverage industry publication. So very, very, very exciting time for Super Coffee. I'm talking a lot about adversity and chasing your passions. And so in knowing all the success now, that's incredible. But could you take me to 2018 when youngest, middle and oldest walk into the shark tank and what happens next there? That's a really good, really good question. I cannot believe I missed the shark tank appearance. Um, <laughs> because, and I, I can't necessarily say because I wasn't there, but I think that was yeah. one of the, the greatest catapults to you know, I think both what you're alluding to here, but also kind of, you know, some national exposure, some beginnings of national awareness around the brand. Yeah. So they entered the tank and uh, I don't know if you've seen a recording of the episode or if anybody listening has either, but they were declined. Uh, nobody saw the vision. Uh, they got five no's. And instead of walking out of the tank, you know, uh, embarrassed or, or um, demotivated, or deciding to give up, uh, it was completely the opposite. And mm -hmm. if you knew uh, these three gentlemen, uh, and you might be able to suspect with you know athletic backgrounds, uh, sort of high performers uh, in, in life and and in attitude, um, that was just what they needed uh, mm -hmm. in order to really start taking it to the next level. So I would say, if anything, that was probably you know one of the biggest contributors to their their success. I always love a. Oh, you don't think we can do this? Just, just yeah. watch us story. That's always <laughs> yeah. great. Yeah, we have, um, have this whole, whole thing about turning those into yeses. And it's, it's definitely cauterized in the company culture to this day. Love that. I love that so much. Well, we've been jumping all over the place with time, but let's go back just a little bit more to start consulting. And then you come on board Super Coffee in the middle of a pandemic. What's one of the first things that you set your eyes on tackling? This is what we got to do for the brand, for, for the products. Yeah, absolutely. So I think uh, two things a bit related to one another, um, but obviously there's a lot of analysis and a lot of identification of where the business is and, and where the customer base is and how it's performing. Um, but built on top of that and some of the learnings, one of the clearest things uh, that we could do was improve uh, the user experience of the website. And part and parcel to that really focus the website toward uh, a subscription point of purchase rather than uh, a one-time purchase. And with uh, a total redevelopment and redesign of the site that we launched uh, in December of that year, as well as even leading up to that, simple shifts such as uh, introducing subscribe and save uh, as the default shopping option. Um, making some simple tweaks to, you know, the product detail pages and information architecture of the site, and then solving some of, you know, those conversion killers that we all know that are kind of sometimes hiding in plain sight, um, but uh, very important to, to look into. Um, all of that combined, and then launching the, the new site that winter, uh, we were able to really, really accelerate um, the development of you know, our MRR, monthly recurring revenue business, uh, which is which is subscribe and save power by recharge. Love that. What were one of the like uh, causes for churns that you guys started to notice? Whether you, and, and how did you kind of find that out? Did you talk to customers or just go through the experience yourselves? Yeah, I think a lot of, you know, what they call in the tech industry, dog fooding. 
uh, was, you know, a, a key contributor to just identifying what was going, going wrong or, or going right, uh, through first person experience. Um, there's almost never a better substitute for always using your own product. Um, so certainly, you know, encourage the entire team to, you know, constantly be, be, be checking out and, and shopping through the website and then flagging and, and elevating, you know, any issues or concerns, not just assuming that, that everyone's aware of these things. Um, so I think that's a major contributor. Uh, and then otherwise, you know, post-purchase survey, um, sort of smaller focus groups with uh, loyal customer base, uh, things like that. Um, as well as, you know, some of the cancellation reasons, uh, working on those and, and really sort of applying a focus to those and trying to, you know, identify and improve one by one and then seeing, uh, the response to results based on that. Sorry, my dogs. And my dog was nuts. three steps from me ready to bark at me. So don't you worry. It was going to happen to one of us. So that is all good. Don't worry. <laughs> Love yeah. it. Little Rosie was staring me down. Um, speaking of one of the, one of the, um, reasons you saw for churn, and I, I just know, I'd love to talk more about customer portals and, and how, if you don't got a customer portal, that's easy to navigate that your customer can't skip swap at a one-time purchase. It's, it's just a no, people are going to leave that program. Yeah, hundred percent. So, um, I think the cancellation reason of difficulty managing my subscription, uh, really was always sitting as number one, uh, which we don't like to see because that's within our control. It's not, mm -hmm. it's not that the product doesn't taste good or I stop using the product because I like a competitor better. Um, it's totally within our control, uh, within the, the technology and the environment that we're creating for our customers to interact with us. Um, so definitely that became a very critical and, and large focus uh, for the brand and for the tech team. Um, and so, you know, simple things, we're, we're a headless site uh, which, you know, creates complexity and, and, you know, makes things a little bit more difficult to implement than, you know, a standard, you know, Shopify plus instance, uh, integrated to recharge. When you have that environment, things just work better out of the box. Since we had, you know, determined we wanted to move the headless route that did create a, a requirement to, to manage some of those connections more manually, uh, through the APIs and whatnot. Um, and so it did require uh, a steady and applied focus uh, to making sure everything was working as expected. And then I think the second uh, and potentially, you know, equally impactful development uh, last year, or I believe it was maybe, maybe a little over a year ago, uh, was the introduction of what was then electric SMS <laughs> and what is now recharged SMS uh, was enabling our customers to do essentially everything that they would be able to do uh, by logging into you know, a web and customer portal uh, through text message uh, and do it seamlessly, do it without you know, frustration. And I think a lot of that value that we were able to deliver to our customers was the value that Recharge saw and likely the value that caused Recharge uh, you know, a keen interest in, in acquiring that, that product. So um, yeah, Recharge SMS is yeah, something that we always hear from our customers. They're very delighted by. Uh, and that alongside some of the steady improvements toward accessing the customer portal and solving some of the more sort of nuanced issues uh, related to managing subscription. Um, we've seen that drop from a number one uh, churn reason to a number five churn reason. Love to hear that. Love to hear the success yeah. of Recharge SMS, Electric SMS. 
Yeah. Yeah. Just like you said, we, we've seen the success of transactional SMS. And this isn't like you're sending your customers a discount code. It's nothing like that. This is through text, hitting them up on their phone, and then they can manage. Do you want to skip? Do you want to try this new flavor? Do you want to swap this out? Um, yeah. More and more people jumping on that. And it's just so convenient. It just takes away the friction of having to jump on your computer and manage your order from there. Um, so, so love to hear that. It's funny. That was right in my notes is the next thing I wanted to talk to you about. So that's so, oh, so amazing. That you went right from there. Uh, something else I think you guys do a really good job on, and I'd love to talk more about, is your content and in, in finding on social media. So what resonates with our audience, with our customers? Um, and for you guys to take the words out of your mouth, but then I'd love to hear more about it. Uh, you mentioned part of it was recipes. Yeah, absolutely. So for our customers, uh, it's interesting, right? Because I started a keto snacks brand. And yeah. for all intents and purposes, Super Coffee was also started on, on the exciting trend of the keto diet of, of instead of having a lot of carbohydrates as sort of energy or fuel uh, to power you in these beverages, uh, switching that paradigm into fat is fuel. Uh, and Super Coffee to this day still has uh, MCT oil, which is probably the most popular fat source on, on the keto diet. And so you can see a lot of, uh, you know, the legacy uh, of the keto diet in the super coffee brand and the product recipes and formulations. So we do find that a lot of our loyal customers still sort of, they might not be uh, keto dieters per se, um, but they are certainly prone to a more higher fat, lower carb mentality when it comes to lifestyle. And really to this day, yes, there's a lot of products that you can buy off the shelf that are now kind of speaking to that uh, nutritional paradigm. But when you're left by yourself in your kitchen and mm -hmm. looking to grab something or, or make you know, a tasty creation, um, you're still kind of left without the tools and the understanding of, of how to recreate some of these things uh, without all of that sugar. And so we find that it's a really strong match with our community to empower them with recipes that essentially follow the same uh, thesis that Super Coffee does, which is tastes as delicious as the real thing, but has essentially none of the sugar. And so when we're able to create amazing recipes that, that follow that uh, and share them to our audience, um, they love it. They eat it up quite literally. And uh I think it just adds value uh, to, to everybody all around. So we're excited to be doing that. Totally. Yeah. We've been, we've been doing a lot of research and writing stuff about, you know, outlining why your customers, why your subscribers aren't going to your competitors, why they're like aligned with your values, what brand values do you share? And then building the community and content around that. So it's so great to hear you guys are having that success with that. Uh, this, this is going to come out still in the first month. If you're listening to this, this is in the first month of 2022, January. So what's next for you guys at Super Coffee? Is there anything you guys really want to focus on as you continue to roll out this year in Q1? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're going to be focusing and doubling down on retention and loyalty. Um, mm -hmm. as, uh, as we all continue to deal with the impacts of iOS 14 privacy changes, now iOS 15 privacy changes, and looking forward into uh, the abandonment uh, of the internet at large on the third-party cookie. Um, there's things that are constantly changing, uh, but especially changing with regard to uh, the acquisition side of the funnel, filling the funnel with new customers, uh, new high-quality, high-potential customers. A, it's, it's just getting harder to do. Uh, and, it's, and it's especially getting harder to do uh, at a reasonable cost. 
And so what that really does is it focuses the attention more than ever on retention, loyalty, and lifetime value. Uh, so you're going to be seeing a lot of stuff out of us this year to continue to nurture our customers, steer more customers into a delightful subscription experience, and then reward with deeper loyalty, exclusives, drops, merchandise, things like that to continue to, to build a community around Super Coffee Brand. Love that. Yeah. Despite these privacy changes and the limitations on data from people outside of your customer base, just like you said, you've got this data internally, you know, building up in the community, making sure that they're satisfied, that they're not churning out of your program. It's all great news. Uh, as we're right. looking to wrap up here and you've got so much experience all over the place from various different brands and, and doing it yourself. I'd love to know what advice would you give to a subscription brand that's, that's just starting out? Absolutely. So I think really important, especially for brands starting out is to get a good analytics foundation under you uh, and allow that to enable you to focus on your customer and focus on your customer by focusing on the metrics. Um, that being said, at the end of the day, you can only solve so much with tech user experience and fancy unboxing. Um, like I said, we moved uh, difficulty managing subscription to essentially the bottom of the list. After that, everything relies on the product itself. So never, never, never forget to make incredible products that people love. And would that advice change uh, if you were to go from trying to scale a subscription brand from like 10,000 to 100,000? I don't think that would change at all. Yeah, yeah. just stays because the same. At the end of the day, uh, there's only so much you can do in terms of you know the, the web experience, offers, promotions, things like that. At the end of the day, people just have to love the products. The products have to sell themselves and they have to solve real problems in people's lives or else, you know, no reason to buy. That's right. All right, Ben, how about just for yourself personally, what physical products do you subscribe to? Yeah, I've been uh, this year, especially, I feel like really on a subscription kick. Um, and uh, I guess I'm, I'm smiling and laughing because uh, I've built a lot of my subscription this year uh, on Amazon. Um, uh, which, which is funny uh, to say that as a, as a consumer. Um, but I think, I think that's great, uh, because it allows me, I think it allows us to self-reflect and recognize, okay, what is Amazon doing really well there? You know, why is that an enticing proposition? Um, and, uh, anyways, so it's, it's a lot of, um, sort of consumer staples. It's, uh, some of my, my vitamins, uh, nutritional supplement supports, um, toilet paper, paper towels, trash bags, deodorant, stuff like that. So nothing super fun and fancy, but, uh, but, uh, solving a good problem for me and, uh, you know, saving some good money too. So that's right. Just the essentials, just taking care of all of that. That's right. That's right. Well, Ben, we've loved this conversation with you and we just want to wish you and super coffee, the best of luck uh, moving forward into 2022. Amazing. It was great to be here. Thanks for having me. We want to thank Ben once again for joining us. If you're interested in Super Coffee, head over to drinksupercoffee.com. And if you're looking for more of our episodes, check us out at rechargepayments.com slash hit subscribe. 